0: What does motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. For this week's episode, I want you to think of this one word. It's a word you probably never heard before, but I want you to remember this one word. Ready? Beaster. Bestir. B e s t i r. Bestir. To bestir yourself. It's a great word, right? Bestir. Now, what in the world does that mean, and how does that relate to today's story? Well. You're going to find out here that you need to bestir yourself. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we left the story, right? That David had just been crowned king. And he began to reign at the age of 30. Woohoo! But another country found out. And this other country was not happy when they found out that David was king. You know who that other country was? You guessed it. The Philistines. Cause it says there in 2 Samuel chapter 5 that when the Philistines heard that their man David had been anointed king, ugh they were mad. They'd been tricked, right? He was working in ziklag for the king of Gath. What in the world? And all this time, he was about to go into battle for them, and now he's anointed king. What? What? Ah. So the Philistines show up and they search for David. And they want to find him. And so, you know what they do? They go up and they spread out in the Valley of the Giants." Now, your Bible probably says the Valley of Rephaim, and Rephaim basically means giants, because in this valley, probably before Joshua took over the land during that time when Israel was out of it in Egypt, in this land, there was a rumor that this is where the giants live, the Nephilim and the other giants that seem to rule this land. I mean, it's true. They had gigantic people who lived here, and I guess they lived in this valley of Rephaim, the Valley of the Giants. They weren't there anymore because Joshua and Caleb pushed them out. But the big giant facing David was the Philistines. And the Philistines were mad and they had gathered their army. And so they were about to attack. And you know what? Instead of just going, all right, army of Israel, let's go. ra! You know what David did instead? He started where we should all start. And again, he's done this before, and I've pointed it out. This is good. This is a good lesson to learn. David began by what? Inquiring of the Lord. He asked first God, hey, this seems like a natural thing to do, but do you want me to do it? Will you give the Philistines into my hand? And the Lord said, go forth. Because you are going to win. No problems. And so David, he takes his men and Rawr! he comes out before the Philistines. And it says that David was so moved, he saw something miraculous happen. He saw God move before him. He said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. So he calls this whole area, or at least a certain spot in that Valley of the Giants, he calls it baal Perazim, which literally means the Lord of Breaking Through. That's what David was facing, this huge Philistine army, this big giant. And God says, fight. And so David does, but he asks God first and God said, let's go. And then God <sighs> breaks through. Wouldn't you love to see God break through in your life sometimes, you know? Wouldn't you love to see God take down some giant in your life? Well, don't give up. Because David literally calls Yahweh the Lord of breaking through. And he sees God come before him and go through his enemies like a breaking flood. I don't know what happened. Maybe all of a sudden some angelic presence showed up and just started wiping out people. Or maybe something else and it just looked like a flood of water just wiped out half the troops. Man, that must have been cool to see. It was exciting enough that David named a little spot, Baal-Perazim. And man, I hope that you see the Lord of the Breakthrough. Maybe you're stuck in some addiction. Maybe you're stuck in some bad habit. Some bad attitude that you can't kick. You can never get over. And Man, I'd encourage you to pray. Pray for a breakthrough. Pray for the Lord of the breaking through to show up and to smash all of that before you. Well, David is excited, and yeah, we beat the Philistines, woohoo! and he goes back to Jerusalem, and man, the Philistines got so fast out of there, they left their idols behind, and so the men grabbed them. and probably some of these idols were made out of gold, expensive jewelry, or maybe they melted them down. This was a total victory. <laughs> You'd think the Philistines would have understood and met their match and just left, but no. The Philistines were a cocky bunch, and they show up again. And guess where they show up? The Valley of the Giants. The Valley of Raphaim. They show right back up. And so what does David do? He just goes right back into battle, because this worked the first time, and this is what he should do. He doesn't need to ask the Lord. Just go do it, right? Nope. He follows the process, and he starts in the right spot. He inquires of the Lord again you know what? God gave him a different battle plan this time. He says, now I want you to go around to their rear and you'll see some balsam trees, you know, that grove of balsam trees. When they start coming through, I want you to go around them. And when you come up to those balsam trees, I want you to wait. And then when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of these balsam trees then you should bestir yourself because the lord is going out before thee to smite the host of the philistines when you hear a going in the top of the tree bestir yourself and go because i'm going forward what what's the sound of a going basically god's saying i want you to sneak around and i want you to wait by these trees and when you hear the sound of angels marching that's what i think hey when you hear the sound of marching well who's gonna march in the tops of trees it's not squirrels right it's not birds i mean what's gonna march in the top of the trees that you can hear it what's gonna sound like a mighty force you know what God's called the commander, right, of the heavenly armies. That's what you're hearing. The supernatural army going out before you. The sound of a going. But then he says in the King James Version, this is where I came up with that word. He says, I want you to bestir yourself. When you hear this awesome thing, guess what? Get ready stir yourself move yourself rouse yourself get up the energy and then go and fight and that's exactly what happens david circles around the back hides behind the trees here's the sound of a going here's the sound of marching Oh, ah, yeah. and he rouses himself; he bestirs himself. <sighs> they go forth, and they totally rout the Philistines, totally destroy them. And it says he struck them all the way from Geba to Gezer, which basically means he struck them pretty bad. He pretty much wiped them out. But it began with obeying the Lord. And once you obey the Lord, then it began with rousing, bestirring yourself. Well, here David bestirred himself. And he followed the commands of God and he roused and bestirred himself and followed through. And man, I think that should be said of us, right? I think sometimes we just need to get out of our lethargy, get out of our laziness I don't know if I should witness to that kid over there. He's the meanest kid on the block, but man, I feel like the Lord wants me to do it. Bestir yourself. Get up and do it. I don't make much money as it is, and I'm supposed to give up 10%? I mean, literally, it's only a dollar. You know how little I make? I don't know. Hey, bestir yourself. Go do it. Man, I don't know. The call of that website, man, I want to go to the, I know I shouldn't. It's got bad pictures. It's not right for me to do. I shouldn't do it. Bestir yourself. Hey, I want to get mad at my mom, and I want to not clean up my room, and this is dumb. Bestir yourself. Man, I just want to be lazy at work. I don't know if I want to work for my boss. All he does is complain, but I know God wants me... To not live that way. To work is for the Lord. Yeah, I know all that, but man, it is hard. Bestir yourself. Sometimes it takes bestirring, doesn't it? To stand up for truth, to stand up for righteousness, to stand up for what you know is right at whatever age. God said to David, I want you to act. When you hear the sound of a going, the sound of a marching in the trees, when you hear that, But David had to do something. He had to rouse himself is the modern word. But I like the old one. He had to bestir himself. Man, I pray that you bestir yourself. Spurgeon, this great writer from the past, he says, the first thing I will do when I find problems in the church or some big obstacle in the way, Spurgeon says based on this verse, the first thing I will do is I will bestir myself. But how shall I do it? Why? I will go home this day and I will wrestle in prayer more earnestly than I have want to do. And I'll wrestle in prayer that God will bless the minister and multiply the church. He's going to bestir himself by wrestling in prayer. And we need more Christians who are willing to bestir themselves at the command of God. Well, David bestirred, and the rest of Israel bestirred with him, and they destroy the Philistines, and they have peace. Yeah! Well, the next thing on David's agenda he wants the Ark of the Covenant back at the center of Jewish life. See, the Ark of the Covenant was made by Moses more than 400 years before David's time. When God would come down to talk to Moses, he would reside above the cherubim, which are on the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was 3 feet 9 inches long, 2 feet 3 inches wide, and 2 feet 3 inches high. So think of a, a rectangular box. And it was covered in gold, and it had a lid. And on top of the lid were these two cherubim angels, and their wings would come out, and they would touch in the middle. So one angel on the left side, one angel on the right side of the lid, and their their angels would their, their wings would come out, and boop, they'd touch right there. And then in it, God placed some amazing stuff. God asked Moses to put the the tablets of the law that Moses brought all the way down from Sinai. They're in there. And then a jar of manna. God fed the Jewish people with manna that he gave them and he wanted Moses to keep a jar of it and put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And and then Aaron's rod, Moses had a brother named Aaron and he had a rod that he'd walk around with like a staff and that rod miraculously budded as a confirmation of Aaron's leadership and he wanted this to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant. This was a wonderful place where Israel met with God but it was also a place of holiness, there were specific rules on how to transport the Ark. Why? Because this was placed in the Holy of Holies. This was an important thing. This represented Yahweh. Well, the last mention of the Ark of the Covenant was when it came back from the Philistines in 1 Samuel 7. It's been sitting in a town called Cariath-Jerim, in the house of Abinadab for over 20 years. And David's thinking, you know what? We need to bring it back to Jerusalem. To, we need to bring it back to, to the center of Jewish life. And not off in this little town. Kiriath Jerma's is about, I want to say, five hours of walking from Jerusalem. It was west of Jerusalem. David says, enough is enough. We've got to put it in the center of Jewish life. And we've got to take it to Jerusalem. And I want to put it in the middle of the temple that we're going to build for God there. So David arranges to bring it to Jerusalem. And so it says there, he gathers 30,000 men, 30,000 of his crack troops. And they all go down to Kiriath-Jerim. Or my version says, Baal Judah, same different name, same town, to bring the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant from the Benadab's house over to Jerusalem back to the center of worship of Israel. Yes, So they go down there. Now, it says in numbers, that the way the Ark is supposed to be carried is there's three rings on each side that run along the top of the Ark of the Covenant, and you put this long pole through those rings, and then the Levite priests are supposed to put the poles on their shoulders, and they carry the Ark of the Covenant with these poles. It was very strictly laid out how you were supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Well, David thought he was smarter here he doesn't show up with levitical priests and by the way it wasn't just any levitical priest that could carry the ark they had to come from a specific family and he doesn't show up with a pole instead he shows up with a really nice cart i mean the bible says in first samuel six verse three they showed up with a new cart I think David was probably thinking, dude, we don't need those poles anymore. We're going to show up with a new cart. It's got suspensions. It's got some new rad painting on it. Some cool wooden wheels, not just those boring wooden wheels. This one has got a strong middle core. It's going to be the best of the best. And, well, they come to the house of Abinadab. And Abinadab had died earlier. And instead, his sons were the ones looking after the ark. And his sons are... Uzzah and Ahio, and these are his brothers, and Uzzah means strength, and Ahio, A-H-I-O, Ahio means friendly. So basically, strength and friendly were there to help David put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. Well, they put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, and they start heading back to Jerusalem And man, things are going great, and they are celebrating before the Lord. They are singing with songs glorifying Yahweh, and they've got a lyre and a harp and tambourines and cymbals and... And Ohio is out front leading the way and Uzzah is walking along the cart, and they are celebrating. They are bringing the ark from Abinadab's house, from Kiriath-Jerim, all the way back to Jerusalem to celebrate the goodness of Yahweh. And they're coming up to the threshing floor of Nacon, which is on the way to Jerusalem when one of the wheels gets a little stuck and guess what happens? The Ark starts to tip off the cart. The Ark of the Covenant looks like it's going to fall off the cart. The Ark of the Covenant that symbolizes the presence of God is going to fall on the ground. And so Uzzah reaches out his hand, stops it, pushes it back, and... (laughs) Uzzah drops down dead he touched the ark of god he did a good thing right He, he didn't want it to fall off the cart but he drops down dead see they weren't following the rules David bestirred himself in the wrong way, this way, right? He bestirred himself. Let's go get the ark. Yes, let's do it in the fanciest way, the most modern way, the best way, the, the, the best way that we can think of. Let's do it that way. Woohoo! And what happens is they don't do it God's way. And instead, somebody dies. David was doing a good thing. But he was doing it in the wrong way. And it says that when David saw what happened to Uzzah, how he died just by simply touching the ark, it says that David was afraid of Yahweh. And he said, no, I don't want this near me. This could kill me. David gets angry at God and afraid of him all the same time. And... So he says, all right, I'm going to leave it here. And and he leaves it in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Basically a dude who lived around there. And he leaves it there for three months. And he is angry and afraid of the Lord. I mean, what a bad reaction, David. It's your fault Uzzah died. You did the wrong thing. And maybe Uzzah should have known better. He should have, right? He saw the power of the ark. It was probably maybe just a quick reaction, but he didn't obey the Lord and he defiled his holiness. Well, the ark is in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And you know what happens? It says the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now, I keep thinking, how would you know? I mean, this must have been amazing blessings that people could say, whoa, that never happened before, and now that you got the ark, wow, that's a blessing of the Lord, you know? My theory is Obed-Edom was like 300 pounds, and when the ark showed up, wow, after three months, you're a svelte 175. Wow, that's amazing. You lost weight just like that. Well done, Obed-Edom. You must have a blessing of the Lord. When they made pancakes, man, they were the best. When they had roast beef, man, it was the best. It wasn't just any type of food. The Lord blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. Every time he shot a three-pointer, oh, but he'd have made it. His kids won all the contests at school. They got straight A's, 100's on all their tests. I don't know. Somehow, it was clear to everybody who saw it that Obed-Edom and his household were being blessed because the ark was there and the news got back to David. And he says, man, I got to get this ark here. I want to be blessed like this. We need our, our, our country to be blessed. So he shows back up. But this time, he shows up in the correct way. And this time... He brings the Levites with the poles and he lifts it and he puts it on their shoulders and they don't touch it. And in that way, with poles running through it, you don't have to worry about it falling off a cart because it's hanging right there between all the men carrying it. And it's clearly taken care of. And then after they took six steps, boom, he sacrifices an ox and he boom, he sacrifices another fattened animal right there. He sacrifices it to the Lord, and they bring in trumpets now, and they bring in all this. Well, all this shouting and the sound of a horn. I mean, they're they're bringing in some extra instruments and they are celebrating and sacrificing. Now, I don't know if every six steps they sacrificed again because if they did, that would take forever to get the ark home. And that's a lot of fatted calves. And that's a lot of oxen. Maybe it was just the first six steps. I'm not certain. All I know is David did it right and David celebrated. And he was so excited that he began to dance. And it says he danced in his linen ephod, which is this long piece of clothing that covered his whole body, but it was light and everybody else would have worn it. And he just was dancing in this linen ephod and he was getting into the music, but he wasn't just getting into the music. He was dancing before the Lord. And he was dancing to celebrate God, and he didn't care if people saw him. And I don't know, maybe David was a bad dancer. And maybe when he started dancing, people were like, man, is that a. I don't know know if that's a cool move or not, but hey, David didn't care. You can think of me and look at me as stupid. I don't care. I am celebrating that we are bringing the presence of the Lord back to Jerusalem. And he danced and he danced and he danced. The key is before the Lord. Now in ancient israel the men danced with men and the women danced with women they separated the sexes out so it wasn't like some big just party gyrating with anybody no they had set dances and very specific ways of dancing and again there were probably specific moves and david wasn't the best at doing them but he didn't care because he is dancing before the lord and he is celebrating before the lord and he is dancing in front of the ark and as they come into jerusalem guess who's leading the way and doing his goofy dance david but again he doesn't care because he's celebrating god he's celebrating yahweh and they bring it into Jerusalem and they offer more burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And then the people gather around and he blesses the people and he gives all the people, both men and women, a cake of bread, a, 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 a cake of raisin, some meat, and he gives them all to each person there. Wow! He says, We are so glad. That God is back. We are going to bless you because he's blessing us. And he gives out cakes of bread, portions of meat, cakes of raisin. And the people depart for their home. And they are so excited. And David is continuing his dance. And he comes to his house. And there standing before him is beautiful Michael. His wife from Saul, right? Saul's daughter Yes, and he's dancing, and he has come to bless Michael. And you know what Michael says? How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his female servants as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. What? David stops dancing, looks at Michael. See, Michael, when she saw David come in and she saw his idiotic dance, she saw it through the eyes of man. She saw saw it through the eyes of humanity and she didn't see it as a dance before the Lord. No, she saw it instead as a king embarrassing himself. He's the king of Israel. And and look, I bet they're all laughing at it. And it says there that When she saw David dancing that way, that she despised David in her heart. She despised him. She missed the whole point. And David says, you know what, Michael? I would dance even more undignified than this if it would honor God. I'm celebrating that the Lord chose me, rather than your father, by the way, but he chose me. He could have chosen anyone from this house, but he chose me to be the ruler of the Lord's people, and I was celebrating before the Lord, and again, I will dance even more undignified than this if that brings honor and glory to the Lord it says that Michael missed the whole point. And from that time forward, Michael had no more children. That's what the author says, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Why did the author write that? Because he's pointing out that this was a great humiliation for her. In Jewish society, it was a great blessing to have children. And it was a great blessing to have offspring. And if you didn't have children, then you weren't being blessed by the Lord. And, and I don't know if that's true. Or David said, you know what? You're not in my bed anymore, Michael. He had a ton of other wives, which is a bad reason. So he didn't really need Michael. And, and, but maybe David said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to stay away from you. I think, though, in the flow of the story, that God was displeased with Michael and judged her for it. By not allowing her to have any more children. She missed the whole point. David, remember I used that word, bestir? He bestirred himself and he roused up to fight. Which was good. He bestirred himself to get the Ark of the Lord. And at first it was bad because he did it in the wrong way. But now he bestirred himself and danced before the lord and he didn't care what people thought of him because he was dancing before the lord and i want to stress It wasn't some weird type of dance. He wasn't naked. He was fully clothed. And again, men danced with men and women danced with women. It was the fact that David, the king of Israel, was humiliating himself by dancing with maybe people at a lower station than him. Or maybe he was dancing into it and getting into it in such a way, like I said, and maybe he had the worst moves in the world. But David didn't care. Because he was dancing for God. He bestirred himself in the right way this time to honor the Lord. You know what's interesting? The key is David inquired of the Lord before he went into battle. David was a man after God's own heart. Here David, he said, I dance even more undignified than this that honored my God David had a heart after God and Michael it's those people who don't understand why you give your money the way you do because I want to honor the Lord or they say hey why is your standard so big you can't go watch this movie with me because you're more holy than me no I just know for me, I can't watch that. I can't do that thing. You go ahead and do it if you think you can do it before the Lord, but I can't and I will be even more undignified than this if it honors my Lord. Don't be like Michael and see everything through the eyes of the flesh and oh, you're embarrassing yourself before people and people won't understand and what will others think and what will the world think? No, don't think about that. Instead, have the eyes of David and let's be bestirred for good things, roused up for the Lord, and let's do it for the Lord. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.